Today on Vulnerable, Emily Calandrelli joins us. She's an MIT engineer turned Emmy-nominated science TV host. She has her own show on Netflix called Emily's Wonder Lab, which I watch and am such a big fan of. She's also featured on Bill Nye Saves the World. She's the executive producer and host of Fox's Exploration Outer Space, which has been long running. She's the author of a chapter book series called Ada Lace Adventures. And now her newest book, Reach for the Stars, is about to come out, and we will be Blast off with Emily. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. I am smiling from ear to ear today because Emily is here. I watch Emily. I am a fan of Emily. (laughs) You're not even expecting it. And (laughs) I literally have introduced my very brainy scientific daughter Isabella to science experiments because of your show and also because she goes to a school that's that's a Waldorf and they're doing those baking soda experiments and she's she's just turned five so she's in Mm -hmm. preschool and there was something you know about you know me playing Kim Possible that made me be like well I have two daughters you know I have the responsibility to make sure that they know that they can do anything and so but that that falls a little like on the lighter side as you become a parent and you're like, okay, I'm not going to like push the whole princess angle. I'm not going to push the whole this or that thing. I'm just going to let them be their own person. But I can't help but smile from ear to ear when I see a pregnant Emily (laughs) in cute pink overalls starring in her Um. own science show for kids with this amazing, beautiful set and I'm like, yeah, we're going to watch this for dinner tonight, okay, kids? Mm. Like, this is what we're going to watch tonight. And then we're going to keep watching it. And and my girls loved it. And, I mean, remember the eggs, the eggs episode? Oh, yeah, where you're, like, trying to balance Walk on, on it. it. Oh, the girls yeah. were like, they're we got to do this. I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Should we? There's other ones that are less messy. <laughs> yes. And now we blame you for all our troubles. Yeah, you, that's fair. Emily's that's totally great, though, fair. about it because she's always like, look, you need a, you need an adult supervision. So yeah. that was all handled great. Please talk to us about how that show kind of came to be and then just yeah. we'll go from there. Oh, my gosh. So I have been working in science television for eight or nine years now. Mm-hmm. So I have my own show on Fox called exploration outer space. I'm an aerospace engineer, studied aerospace engineering for eight years, then started working in TV. And so ever since then, I had been pitching other science shows to major science networks. And the vast majority of feedback that I got was that, like for these big science networks, the majority of our audience is male. So unfortunately, we just don't think that they would relate well to a solo female host. And in one meeting, I got the feedback that was like, do you have a boyfriend or something oh. that could co-host the show with you oh, yeah. no. <laughs> to make it a bit more palatable to our I feel audiences. like I should slink out of here. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll be, I'll be showing myself yeah. out. Hey. On behalf Jeez. of all men. All men. men, we blame you. <laughs> We're the worst. We are the worst. Yeah. So it's been a hard road and very frustrating to see that. And so... When I got the call from Netflix that not only were they totally fine with me, like they wanted my show, they were excited about my show, but they were totally fine with me filming it while I was nine months pregnant. (laughs) And so now there is a wildly pregnant lady hosting a science show on the largest streaming platform in the world. And that is just the coolest thing to ever happen to me. Wait, so the Emmy, was that for that show? For Exploration Outer Space, for okay. my original TV show, the oh ones that I've been doing for a million years. Amazing. 
Have you not seen that, Brendan? Have no, but I'm it? going. It's, you're going to learn a lot about my. Do you like space? With space. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. Show her. <laughs> show her. So while Chris. So wait a minute. Brendan is obsessed with space in a in in a very healthy and sometimes not healthy way. Because he <laughs> he actually has told me that when he passes, he would like his ashes blown out into space. Ooh, I think there's a service for that, yeah. actually. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a real thing. I also need to definitely go. Yes, um, which is also but, a thing now. Yes. You can buy a ticket into space. I can. I just got to get like We're gonna wait 35 till the- mil. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no. it's like $500,000. Oh, well, it is tomorrow, like not that unreasonable. And by the time I figure like 10 years from now, mm-hmm. we're going to be, the sad part is like, I don't know if it's sad. I actually would probably try to find a way to get 500K to go like, tomorrow yeah like you can do that so christy's saying she's nerding out but i really it's really me we're both <laughs> nerding out about you yeah, emily but um for so so many reasons but we need to go on the journey mm, we need to we okay. need to go like when did your interest in aerospace science yeah. everything was it always there how did it begin walk us yeah so i'm a bit of a unique case because i am not somebody who liked science and I wasn't someone who wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. Um, I didn't know any scientists or engineers. I'm the first person in my family to pursue a degree in STEM. And I did it because my dad grew up in poverty in West Virginia and he worked his way to middle class. And so when I was thinking about what I wanted to be when I grew up, I had that legacy in the back of my mind. And so I, a very practical high school senior, Googled all of the majors that one could major in in college, and I looked at their starting salaries. And I picked the one that had one of the highest starting salaries, which was engineering. And so I thought I was going into college being like, this is gonna be the worst four years of my life. It's gonna be so boring and so hard, and I'm not gonna have a social life, but I'm gonna make my dad proud. (laughs) Where's where's college, where'd you go to school? West Virginia University is where I went to undergrad. And I was so wrong about most of those things. You do end up with a great job, but I had the most wonderful adventures as a student in science. I was able to fly on NASA's Vomit Comet. I traveled to Mexico through Engineers Without Borders and helped a community in Mexico. I lived in China through an NSF fellowship and I did all of these wonderful things. So my story is kind of like, I reluctantly joined it, but then enthusiastically stayed and just slowly became more obsessed with it over time. That's so cool. Did you find growing up I mean, I guess specifically in college, given that you just told us what it was like, a, a woman hosting a show by yeah. herself, I don't know. Was mm-hmm. there that type of thing already happening there? Oh, yes. And yeah. it was so surprising to me because my high school was, it felt like there were both guys and girls and everybody was interested in science. It didn't feel weird to like science as a girl. But then as soon as I got to college, I would be one of maybe two or three girls in a 50-person class. Mm. And you walk in and you immediately are like, am I in the wrong class? And so you do have that feeling. Yeah, there's a steep drop-off for, also yes. for politics too. For women, they will they will go to like a local level, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to the higher and higher oh, positions yeah. in politics, they, there's a steep drop-off. Yeah. Uh, I went back to Barnard and I studied a little bit of that and STEM is, you know, that's a concern. Mm-hmm. Is that young girls? There's, there, there's not enough support for for young girls with STEM. Well, that's why after mm-hmm. after I believe what, what do you remember like when the drop off is? It's the like big drop off. Yeah, it's like a late late grade school, early middle school. There's some sort of stereotype happening there where that is the age where they're like, oh no, this is a, a guy interest. This is for boys. Very interesting. So weird. 
because you can still look cute and still do cool you things. You can care all about all the things. Yeah, exactly. I think part of it, and this is something that I care a lot about, is that there is just not enough representation of women in STEM in books or TV shows or movies because everybody has this perception that it makes more sense for a guy to be in that role. They almost think like their brains are more hardwired to do the same experiments. Yes. And to, to, to do the same... Yeah. Yeah. Like audiences would feel more comfortable seeing a guy in that role. It's so weird. (laughs) Traditionally, men would see a man with muscles and be like, that's important for him to have muscles and do muscly things. Must look like he man. (laughs) But when you think of scientists, it's like I gravitate toward dudes with dad butts. I just do. That guy gets it. I'm gonna double down on that. Sorry, go ahead. We're gonna go get wigs with that guy. Yes. But then but then, yeah, that is, I'm trying to unpack it because it's really, it's really messed up. Yeah. That, that drop off really is something I'm going to have to contend with sooner rather than later, actually. It is so important though, because like, if you think about Izzy, like watching her. And she literally just stuff. asked me to buy her a human head diorama that you take apart and take the brain out and stuff. That is very specific. Yeah. yeah. So she's, most people are like, I want a telescope. And she's no, like, I she's want like, a brain diorama. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like the crazy thing. And it takes, yeah. and I was like, and I asked And our him, other daughter's like, zombie. You know, she's like <laughs> oh, three. Yeah. She calls it the zombie. So, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. I asked Brendan before I bought it on Amazon. I go, honey, this is what she wants. I'm going to get it for mm-hmm. her. I said it to them like that. I'm like, she wants it. I'm going to get it for her. And he's like, <laughs> all right, get it for her. But I, I had to, because it's such a graphic thing. Right. That I was like, I want to make sure that you understand that this is for science. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. isn't some bleak, morbid thing, curiosity. It's it's for science. No, yeah, she's you're so learning. Interested, yeah. And also she's, so, and this is kind of, kind of, I'm curious what you think about this too, especially since you already have a, a child. Mm. Our daughter's really obsessed with germs. Germs? Yes. Yeah. Very obsessed like with germs. Like nervous about them? No. Or? No. Not anxious. Just like drawing them and knowing about them. They did a swab. And like protozoa. She says they have a vomit germ. She spells vomit. She can't even spell. She spells her name and the word vomit. Like those are the (laughs) two words. she can spell a lot. What are you talking about? She can spell like five words. One of them is vomit. vomit. (laughs) Actually, we came on the other day. She is like, mommy, daddy, look, look, I'm drawing. I I made a, like a map. And we're like, okay. So she took this roll of paper and roll it across the entire, like the entire living room through the, cause you know, one of those ones you put on an easel. Oh, okay. And she rolled it all the way across and they're like, this is a door, this is a something. It was a village. And then it's the she word vomit. And it's like, <laughs> this is a germ, this is another germ. This is like a Spider-Man, vomit. I'm like, I'm like what is happening with Why this word vomit? Why is vomit in here so frequently? She's just so interested in like, because I think like, she got she, her brain works her, differently yeah, now. She like she got sick one time, and then she was interested in the process oh. of it. She's like, "Oh, vomit! That's interesting." What so a cool, germ. like curious kid. Yeah, she's like very she's experiencing curious. life and she, questioning everything. Oh, very yeah. curious about the shape of germs, yeah. what they look like. Then they did a germ week at school. Great school, by the way. I really, I kept yeah, saying that, but I really awesome. do shout out to the school. I'm not going to say the school's name, but <laughs> great school. And they did a germ farm. So they did swabs. They yeah. actually did swabs and they're making the germ farm. And and she she comes home and she has such an enthusiasm about it that I never want that to go away. Yeah, that's right. And it's so funny because as we get older, for whatever reason, we become a little bit more insecure about the things that we don't know. 
Because when you're a kid, you ask questions all the time. You're right. learning all the time. You are totally comfortable with not knowing anything because you just were born not knowing anything. But at some age, you get nervous enough that you stop raising your hand. You become embarrassed about the things that you don't know. And so one of the things that I try to do is make people feel comfortable enough to ask the stupid questions because that's the fun part. Learning oh, about I vomit am, is the fun part. Yeah. I guess I'm still a kid that way. Yeah. Uh, that's Part of when why I I'm hear so excited you, to be on the podcast. Well, when I hear you talk about space <laughs> mm -hmm. and and the unknowns of that, mm -hmm. you seem like a kid to me. There's a joy in your mm. face that I've always tried to support. Of course, I want him to have life insurance if he goes to space. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm Regardless like, of space, yes. Yeah. yes he goes, fun. he does certain things, and I'm like, honey, did you did you get the life insurance? Is, <laughs> yeah, is it is it and he's like, yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm just like, no, no, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, but just make sure the just life sure insurance is okay. There. We can when make you sure shoot we're covered. Off this with is your rocketeer the... boots into space. But yeah. I yeah. am excited for him. I think this this would be very cool. I don't need to go to space. Mm-hmm. But I'm so excited for him to do that yeah. in grounded. his lifetime. Um, and, and Izzy said she wants to go to space she did. She with She wants you. to go with me. Oh, so this is like a, a dream family trip. This yeah. is a dream family that trip is, that would be really so cute. undeserved. I don't know why I would deserve it versus people who've been working and doing this forever. Well, that's but, yeah. the thing is, I feel like you shouldn't have to deserve it. Right now, in the history of time, fewer than 600 people have ever gone to space. Yeah. And like 600 is such a small number. Yes, it and is. most of the people that have gone to space have been. Like it very monotonous. It's it's mostly guys. It's mostly white. It's mostly Americans. It's mostly scientists and engineers. And so the stories that those people I checked tell, two of those boxes, unfortunately. No, <laughs> white American guy, God but not a scientist or engineer. And sure. I'm sure the stories that you will tell when you come back from space will be wildly different. And you're going to reach a different audience than a traditional scientist or engineer would. Right. And so now with the rise of things like space tourism, with Jeff Bezos' company. Blue Origin, like more diverse people are going to be able to have that experience. And that's what I'm like really pumped about. We had the opportunity to chat with Kelly Girardi. Yeah. yeah. Right? Recently. And mm -hmm. and so do you guys know each other? Have you yeah. Yeah. We're friends. We I mean, we live in the same space. We have so many of the same passions. We both have little girls. And so yeah, huge fan of Kelly. I think she's yeah. flying with Virgin Galactic, which is like it's so much fun to see people that you know who are you are friends with actually achieve their dreams of going into space and so yeah i think she's going to fly sometime soon in the next couple of years for sure that's, that's amazing awesome. that is amazing i mean we had a we had a good chat with her and she's like look there's a lot of things i can't say mm -hmm. you know and we're like we understand yeah. like we respect like you know in terms of the timing of it because yeah. oh, that right. was before bezos went Mm -hmm. It was like the week or two before he went. She was, was telling us about all the training she was doing in yeah. these like G force and yep. thing. Yeah, it was pretty. And does she did she actually design spacesuits or she just she worked uh, with Project Possum? It's a company that helps train people who want to do science and the and suborbital flights, which yeah. is what she's going to fly on. Uh -huh. And so she's going to be doing an experiment in microgravity on her flight, and she trained and helped to test some of the spacesuits that they might use and other flights. But yeah, she's been doing a lot of training for a while now. That's really cool. So how did you start getting into media? How did you, yeah, how did that Oh, happen? it's a very random story. I, so I was graduating from grad school. I went to MIT for grad school for three years and I was looking for a job after graduation and I got a call from a production company that asked if I wanted to be the host of a new space show. And they had just found me out of the blue mostly because I have always loved doing outreach. I love 
talking to kids and communities about why space matters and why NASA is worth our tax dollars and all of that. And so I think that they had found videos of me talking about it. And they were like, she has the background that we're looking for and she can talk about this stuff in a way that most people hopefully can understand. And I said, yes, that sounded like such a fun adventure. So that that's was wild. Nine it was just like a random now. call. Just a out. random call. I, I totally thought that it was a spam call for a while because who, like, how does that ever happen? Right. right? But yeah, it changed my life. And wow. this was right after grad school? Right after grad school. Wow. Yep. It was my first Nine job. years ago, she said. I'm so ignorant on this. What is the daily life of someone who does what you do look like? Oh, it's always so different. So I have my TV shows, but I have my books and I do public speaking and I try to do TikToks and <laughs> I it's like, amazing I like it so the, the operative word is try. I try. Because I do the and same try thing. try my best. <laughs> yeah, that, it's more of the mom hustle of like, yeah. I'll get to it. I'll oh, get to it. the trend passed. Uh, yes, exactly. Oh, I'm God, always on dinner. trends like months later <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, this is embarrassing, but whatever. <laughs> but it's out there. I think it's entertaining. <laughs> but yeah, and then I work at, at for a nonprofit and so every day I'm usually – at a coffee shop or in my home and I'm filming or writing or preparing for a speech and there's lots of travel. So I think when people different. think like, oh, I'm a lady scientist, it's like, well, get in the lab and uh, yes. cook up some beakers. I'm a lady scientist. <laughs> cook up some beakers. Up beakers. <laughs> Look through a <laughs> telescope. And, you know, I don't know. Oh, hey, speaking of telescopes, totally not linear, by the way. Hit me, me right here. Mm -hmm. So what's up with the telescope? Have you seen that movie? <laughs> Don't look up. <laughs> oh, yes. I loved it. Yeah. It was so good. So it you was loved so it. It was so good. I loved liked it, it too. Oh, I and, really and like it. it. I loved it because I hated it because yeah. it hit so close to home that when you're talking about serious topics, mm -hmm. especially in the media, people always want to have this conversation where they bring in both sides of an argument when if it's a scientific argument, there is often not of both sides. It's 99% of people who have studied this for their entire lives believe this. And there's one crackpot who is <laughs> like funded by some weird company who right. says another thing. And oftentimes in news networks, they'll bring the one crackpot and then one scientist to represent the 99%. Right. And that is not what should be happening. Right. But that is, I think, don't look up kind of reflected that. Does really that crackpot- well. I watched it twice. Does that crackpot work- mm consistently as that same crack does it do, do, do they tend to be for higher in their oh, ideologies I that mean, are flawed and inaccurate you you see it historically it happened when we were worried about smoking and whether or not it was good for your health you could find doctors who would say they usually don't say it's good for you mm -hmm. they'll say and this is even more dangerous they'll say we don't have enough information yet Yep. We just need That's to do more studies and wait to see. And they'll just keep saying that so they can kick the ball down the road and no decisions, no policies, no laws will ever be passed against the companies who profit off of us not knowing. It's like that, the, it's, it's, is omission a lie yes. kind of concept? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't hurt anybody if I just omit it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's there is there's so a lot well to unpack about that movie. Okay, so like, there's a narrative about space adventure and space exploration right now that's changed even from like the last nine years, right? Yeah. Have you seen? Yeah. Have you seen it? It seems almost like it's sullied. What do you it's, mean? 
I don't know. I mean, I so there's definitely a camp of people who are not happy that billionaires are leading this space race, right? right? Um, but who else is going to? Yeah. True, right? The, th- like- the joke in the space industry is to make a small fortune in the space industry, you start with a large one. Like it is a <laughs> high-risk endeavor. You're likely to lose money. It's not always the best investment unless you have a ton of money mm-hmm. to risk. And that's why we see these billionaires investing in it because they do have a ton of money and it just seems maybe fun. That's probably why they're doing it. But they also have other visions to save the human race and other things. But I think for the most part, it's it's fun. Right. Because right. it's but because it's the unknown, kind of like yes. stocks and stuff. Like all that's unknown. NFTs, yeah. what, what is it? Even in yeah. NFT, it's unknown. Yeah. I think space makes more sense to me. Space makes than, a lot than, more than, sense than, to scientists. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that because like you said, there are there are people who fall in these camps. It's like, well, we have so much to fix here. Right. Right now. Like, why are we yeah. why are you spending this much money? But I remember this? growing up with NASA being the 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 penultimate mm. in in what it meant to be an American mm-hmm. and like sort of being like what NASA. You know what I'm saying? Like it was yeah. NASA. So As patriotic. When we yeah. were kids, it was like, I got to go to the space station. I got to go down to Houston. I got to go yeah. to Cape yeah. Canaveral. Like it was it was very big deal. Yeah. And what I feel like has happened over the years has been there's like less excitement mm. about it. There's less funding, it seems like. All true. Okay. Yeah. That's and, gotta be very frustrating for you to see. I mean, it's interesting. I think Part of it is that, for one, we haven't been sending people to the moon. We haven't had a lot of that human exploration that gives kids and the next generation a connection to the mission for a very long time. And you're right, the NASA programs have not been funded like they were during the Apollo years, during the early years. But now with privatization of space with space tourism. I think there are more people going into space than ever before. There are people who are exploring space in different ways. And to speak on the argument of like, why would we send money up there when we have so many problems down here on Earth? Well, the thing is, we're not like shipping money to Mars. When we send a rover to Mars, we're not shipping money to Mars. Those jobs are here on Earth. And they're good ones. They're high-paying scientists and engineer jobs here on Earth. And the stuff that we learn in space is all to benefit life here on Earth. So we learn about Mars because it's the closest thing that we have to trying to understand our own planet. So learning about Mars helps us learn about Earth and hopefully the future of Earth. And a lot of the companies that send stuff into space, the satellites that they send look back down at Earth so that we can understand how our own planet is changing. So a lot of the space technology, people don't realize we rely on every day for our safety, for technology, for just our everyday getting around. I mean, GPS, for example, is something that everybody uses every single day. Right. So yeah, I think that people have a misunderstanding of how reliant we are on space-related technology. Yeah, that narrative has definitely changed, and I hope that, I hope it can, I hope it can be restored to some to some degree. Do you think that the tourism will help that? Um, I think currently it's not helping because <laughs> no, I think not. that yeah. with yeah. Bezos and Branson and Musk, I think people just see these extravagantly wealthy people 
what seems like they're just like tossing money into orbit. What they're really doing is creating thousands of jobs here on Earth that are good paying jobs mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. look like people in the United States. This is very like a very patriotic thing for us because you're America, talking about the jobs that are in the aerospace industry. industry. Yeah. They're, those jobs are created because they're they're licensing them to be able to get the rockets in the air. Right, It's exactly. very difficult and very expensive to get a rocket in, into space. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like another business that they have. It's not just a whim. It's like they're right. opening businesses. Oh, people yeah. And these people, they've way. been around. I mean, Musk and Bezos, their companies have been around for two decades. Mm -hmm. So they have been producing these wonderful jobs for a very long time. To get to space. Yes. Right. And so I think the argument of like billionaires is a separate one. Like I think that we shouldn't have billionaires, for example. I think that is a separate argument to should billionaires be investing in space right. because I think they are probably less wealthy because they invested in space. Right. Um, so if anything, the space companies are helping the argument because they are probably losing wealth. money yeah, a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Do you have a desire yourself to go? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah. plan for do, you want your, do you want your kids to go too? Like as children, oh. if that's an option? Oh, not as children. Okay. No, I mean, because going to space is just so dangerous. You yes. are literally attaching yourself to a bomb that is designed to explode in a certain direction. And so I, I wouldn't want my child, like I wouldn't want them to go bungee jumping or skydiving or paragliding or like anything. Or be child like, actors. No, or be <laughs> child actors, <laughs> possibly, which is going to be a little dangerous. My, my daughter loves watching me on TV and I'm like, okay, well, let's just keep in mind that mommy went to college for 10 years before she did this. And I was like very thoughtful about choosing this direction of my career. Um, but yes, I think a family trip once they're all adults sounds like a dream. Mm -hmm. Experiencing something so beautiful and miraculous and life-changing with people you love like, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. See, I love the dreaminess about your 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 industry. Like, mm. when I talk about the entertainment industry, I'm like, oh, God, it's like a love There's a hate. cynicism. Yeah. There's There's a cynicism but you almost it. have to because it, it, it you you have to have that cynicism when it comes to the the media part of it. And maybe mm. you can under, understand with what you've learned about the media mm. and how people talk to you mm. and how it just kind of demeans you from the bat, from the right on the – yeah. The onset of dealing with people in the media, it's like, ah, you're too female. Mm, uh, you're too yeah. this. I, it's, it's like, I have an entire dossier of experience mm -hmm. that makes me qualified. Like, no, nah, we don't care. You, you know. And then if you talk about that, then it's like you're bragging. And then that's like not ladylike either. Oh, so it, okay. it, it's like a whole thing. You have okay. you have to like let your accomplishments speak for themselves. I, in media, you feel that way? I, I feel that way just as like a woman in general. Okay. That there is nothing that's more hated than a woman who is very confident in herself and knows that like, yeah, I did all of these things and they were good. So how have you come to terms with that so that you can put your brand out there? You love science so much. It's so obvious and so genuine that I really don't buy that you're doing this for anything except to to really educate people and mm. and and share that love. Yeah, and it's it, it's also a job like sure. anything else. But okay. it is something that I am genuine because I I did it for so long, and so there had to be some passion there. Late at night, spending like all my nights in the library by myself, there had to be some sort of internal motivation to keep doing that. Yeah, and so now I just try to share that internal motivation. But yeah, I think that it. 
it has blossomed over time because I see the reaction that families have when they watch the stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. And that's the magic that keeps fueling me now. Good. Because there's just nothing better than parents saying like, you ignited a spark in my child that I haven't seen before. Yep. And that's you're just like, me? Yes. <laughs> so cool. Awesome. And, and what was it like creating that show? Did you have a part in like the the aesthetic of it? Like how? how in- so I'm a co-executive producer. Okay. I was one of the only science people on the show. Okay. And so I helped decide all of the experiments. I helped write out all of the dialogue and mm-hmm. the experiments that I was saying on the show. And so it was just this very cool part of my life where I was nine months pregnant and I was brainstorming all of these science experiments in my hotel room and talking out loud about how I would explain it to a child and then Mm -hmm. going on set and talking about science with the kids on the show. Yeah. Which was so fun because these kids, I mean, they were actors. Yes, yes. But they weren't trained to say what they were supposed to say on the show. Like I was showing them the experiment for the first time and they were naturally reacting Mm -hmm. to how cool it was. So it genuinely felt like a teaching environment. Like I was going in every day to teach my little scientists something new. Yeah, it absolutely reads that way, 100%. Mm. Would you say there's like a general like optimism, people that work mm. in your business, or people like more, I don't want to say the word positive, but are they like pretty excited like to be doing what they're doing mm. continuously? Like science communicators, yeah, people yeah. talk about science. Absolutely. I, yeah. I feel like we all feel this urge to educate as many people as possible. Now there are science communicators in so many different types of fields. Right now, the ones that I'm really excited about are the people who have backgrounds in immunology Mm -hmm. and people who know a lot about pandemic related things. Mm -hmm. And they're using their skills of their education and their communication skills to talk about why vaccines are important and the health impacts of all of that. And so I see that drive in them, the same drive that I have to talk about science and space. And so, yeah, I definitely think that we all have that internal motivation to help others, educate others, to just get as many people as possible excited about what we're excited about. Right. And and like aerospace specifically, Hmm. people that are working in that by and large. Is there like a general, like, mm. again, just like optimism to be doing that job? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. They're all dreamers. Anybody who works yeah. in the aerospace industry is a dreamer. I, th- there's a very interesting Venn diagram that I have found, and it's people who love Disney, who are obsessed with Disney, because I feel like Disney just breeds dreamers. And Imagineering. And Imagineering. <laughs> and people who love space. And it's just that that long dream of doing something that's bold and different and unique and new and just, I yeah, I, I find that everybody who works in the aerospace industry has that kind of unique touch. That must be such a great like environment to be a part of because there yeah. is such a cynicism in, in especially in making content and media uh, and yeah, yeah, grinding yeah. and everything. It's like, ah, it would just be nice to like walk in and everyone's like, hey, we're here today having coffee. Same way I felt yesterday. Like, yeah, it just feels I, like, so refreshing. The questions that the people who work in the aerospace industry work on are like, where did we come from? Where did the human race come from? And are we alone in the universe? Well, that's like I Prometheus. Think about this every day. Like, Brandon, literally, his two favorite movies are Interstellar. Wait, mm, wait, wait, wait. And Prometheus. Okay, we have to couch these things, though, with why. But yes, continue. Because... I, well, from what I because can Because of the tell, questions are asking. Because yeah. of the questions that they're asking with Prometheus, yeah. where did yeah. we come from? And then with Interstellar, Brennan does a lot of deep diving into the fact that 
that's a really technical uh, there's a technical aspect to it. Yeah, actually, it's almost. I actually thumbed through the book where they were like trying to, as best as possible, you know, see if they could justify some of these like mathematical oh. equations they've done. It's obviously, it's a lot of hearsay in science fiction. Yeah. But the fact that people are willing to make movies like that, they're both not without their flaws, right? But I guess it's always sort of been an obsession of mine. It's yeah. like, and there's so much more. Like, it isn't feels that so, exciting? Like philosophical. Uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's so fun to think about. Yeah. It's really fun. So you have the space show with Fox. Mm -hmm. yep. You have the, you had the, the season, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Is the is it coming back? That is the million dollar question. There is a petition to bring it back. That I has will like sign it. 100,000 signatures. But as of right now, it has not. But I am hopeful that one day it will be. I wonder if there can also be some sort of a Netflix special about space, though, for the kids mm -hmm. with Emily. You know what I, I mean? mean? There's for not kid, enough. The kids love space, yeah, too. Yeah, there's and, just not enough content. And honestly, they're acquiring that technology more than anyone. So it's like they kind of do need to have that 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 dream. Acquiring what technology? What they're doing now, the mm -hmm. tourism is going to be so mm -hmm. normalized oh, oh, oh. by the time that they're... Gotcha. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like... It's, like it's going to be... going to space right now? I can't, on? honestly, I can't, we can't even imagine what, what the future is going to look like. I mean, can yeah. you, like, because you're a scientist, can you have a clear kind of concept of what the next 10 to 15 years are going to oh, look like? With space, a little bit, yeah, because they already have these plans in the works to go back to the moon. So NASA is working on the Artemis program. They're sending the first woman and the first person of color to the moon. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be happening in the next five years. Mm -hmm. So great. that is something that we know that is very, very exciting. And then from there, they're trying to set up a lunar base. They're not just going there to collect rocks and come back back, they want to go there to stay. Oh, so wow. I think the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to see a lunar base start to be built up. And like we have a space station around orbit around the Earth, we're going to have another space station around orbit around the moon. And so I think we're just slowly inching out farther and farther into the solar system. Controversial question. Ooh, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love how she just was so sweet about that. I know. <laughs> you don't even it's... know what he's going to ask. No, well, what I'm going to ask I is- I can hit him. I'm in close. It's, 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 like, how frustrating is it being somebody who is, like, you're trying to be as fact-based as possible, mm. right? Uh, living in a world where things like flat earth theory uh, yeah. can circulate and catch, catch fire mm. like they do. Like, is it endlessly frustrating for somebody like you? For me, I see that as a non-issue because I don't think there are enough people that actually believe in- flat earth conspiracy. I think that's just something that because social media has democratized voices where that anybody who has a interesting opinion can seem to be very loud. Right. I don't actually think that there's enough people that truly, truly believe it. I see a bunch of kids talking about it because I think it's fun right. to say that you believe that. Sure. And then you grow up and you don't believe that anymore. Or most people don't. It does frustrate me when I see other anti-science movements that are more harmful. I think like the anti-climate change science, the anti-vax movement, like all of these things are doing active harm. So those are the things that I'm more worried about. Flat Earth, uh, I think it's just... <laughs> She's like, there's bigger fish to fry. bigger fish to fry, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, overall, it's got to be frustrating. How do you deal with that frustration? Because it's yeah. like you have a privileged viewpoint in that mm -hmm. you're educated, yes. you have a platform, and it's like there must be pressure for you to 
to to want to, to tackle it. those, yeah, yeah. yeah. To like, but then you can't because it's like that's not your brand. That's not what's going to serve your overall mission. One hundred percent. But no, her mission is yeah. space exploration. It's it's. She has a very clear like goal, I would imagine, in your heart and mind. Yes. So my perspective here is I'm from West Virginia. And West Virginia is number one in the entire country when it comes to the fewest percentage of people that believe that global warming is happening. And so as someone who studied science, as someone who loves my home state of West Virginia, I wanted to learn more about why that was. And if you dig into it, you realize that it's more than just an education issue. I think a lot of people outside looking in, it looks like, well, these are you know, hillbillies and they're dumb, whatever. But that's not the case. It's that the idea of coal and its identity and its tying, like it, it ties so directly to West Virginians mm -hmm. and the power of the coal industry in West Virginia is so incredibly powerful that it filtrates every aspect of society there. Coal industry, the coal companies have sponsored coal lessons designed by the coal industry to be taught in classrooms in West Virginia. Wow. And so growing up in West Virginia, you go on field trips to coal mines. You are taught that coal is the past, present, and future of West Virginia. It's this God-given gift that we're all so excited to have. Wow. And so that is what influences how we think about climate change because we think that like these environmentally friendly policies aren't friendly to us. My dad lost his job. Uh, he worked at a coal company. He lost his job because of the dying coal industry. Luckily, he was able to find another one. But so many other West Virginians aren't so lucky, and they are just worried about getting a roof over their head and, and getting their bills paid. And they just don't have the bandwidth to think about these crazy long-term issues like climate change. And so for me, my perspective on all of this is that you have to be empathetic. You have to listen to the people you're trying to convince and understand what all the underlying issues are. Because if you think that it's just an education issue and you're just going to throw facts at them and that's going to solve the problem, you're not going to solve anything. You're not going to convince anybody. And so you have to kind of understand where they're at and meet them where they're at. And it helps that you are from there. Right. I'd imagine that you can yes. speak to their experience to and some I'm, degree. Yeah. yeah. I'm a firm believer in that too. I've talked about it on a couple of these podcasts now, but it's, it's We've trying. actually had this recurring theme. Yeah. P people have been saying the same thing. I'm extremely proud. It's the intersectionality of like scientist versus coal, you know, yeah. third generation. West Virginian. For West yeah. Virginian coal, you know. How worker. do we find common ground? And how, yeah. and speaking to them. It's a humanist kind of yeah. We're theme both. that's recurring. Yeah, it's interesting. In right? that you don't, because interestingly enough, I'm definitely guilty of this, is that if I'm mad at somebody and I don't agree with them, I judge them. Yeah. And I don't want to be near them. Yeah. And I just, you know, I shut them out. I do the opposite. That's I'm like, like let's the keep natural going. response, I think. <laughs> let's keep going until we figure this out. Yeah. And you know what? You're and we both get better at that too, with the way that we handle that respectfully in even our marriage and stuff. Like we like we don't fight to fight and be right. We fight to have a solution. Mm. And it's one that's of the things. So the two totally different things. I'm yeah. so proud, and I think that's kind of the same idea. Well, the fact that so many people have actually said essentially what you've just said yeah. about you know trying to meet people in the middle or listen or actually hear what they have to say yeah. about a thing so that the, maybe you can convey what's going on and how it is a, could potentially be a problem and be bad yeah. for them and generations past them. 
the fact that so many people are actually talking about this common ground thing, like, and it's recurring without being prompted to recur on this podcast is very encouraging yeah. because I think that obviously we're not, I mean, we're not trying to get political, but like that there's been such a fracturing, you yeah. know, that people are trying to get into further into their camps, but that you are hearing more people say this is a very good sign. Yeah. Cause it's like, wait a minute, we can agree on something. Mm -hmm. There's gotta be something that I like about you. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? We have There's... like more in common than we do our differences. Exactly. And I think because we're human. Yeah, exactly. We should all want to live on the earth. That's... We're on a speck of dust floating in the sky and we can breathe. It's pretty cool. That is it's something. pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to put it. <laughs> but I will say on TikTok, mm. I have seen more Gen Zers refer to that as a FOMO kind of thing. I'm on a fleck of, you know, dirt floating in space. People, so, wait, people literally say that? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. That is a that is that is a a a mantra that a lot of the Gen Zers have where they're like, so what does it matter? Mm. Oh, that's like nihilistic. They're they're saying it in a nihilistic way. Mm. I guess they're they're they, actually like, I've seen it interpreted a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I'm okay. I'm on this fleck of dirt oh. or I don't care because I want to fuck it up. It's, it's, it's interesting the way that it the, is. they see it. Well, when you think about how small we are in terms of the universe, you can take that in one of two ways. You Do can, they have classes for scientists um, to in nihilism and like understanding their place <laughs> in the they world? Might. I have not taken those classes, but it's definitely a topic of conversation because you think about it and you're just like, does nothing matter? Or does everything matter because mm. we are the only intelligent life in the universe that we know of? Yeah. You can think of it as very, like, we're very special or yeah. we don't matter at all. Oh, well, and uh, yeah. It's you like have to Jedi. create meaning, right? Like, you, have to, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. But it probably behooves you. Do you know yeah. scientists who actually believe that nothing matters but are still good scientists? Oh, yeah. I think, I think that is definitely a common theme when scientists truly understand how small we are. Yeah. Because it's like, well... They can't help but feel that. Yeah, it's hard not to... It's like when doctors smoke cigarettes. I think you could, mm. I think you could know nothing matters <laughs> yes. but still be grateful to like be an apex predator. Like, sure. you know what I mean? It's like nothing matters, but at least, but, <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting stomped on. I'm like the I'm best the nothing Yeah, exactly. Is. Like, I'm not an ant. There's no dinosaur that's coming <laughs> that we know of. Right. But for real, are there dinosaur eggs that they're going to rehash? <laughs> oh, Ooh, I, that is not my area of expertise. Jurassic Park, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's happening. You also have great children books. Like, you have this mm. whole uh, book series. Yep. Is it Ada Lace? Am I Ada saying that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, because we also yep. watch Ada Twist on Netflix. Yes, oh, where we have the same namesake. We're both named after Ada Lovelace, which people believe is the first computer programmer. Ah, that's oh. amazing. See, I didn't yep. know that. I, I knew that in Ada Twist that they were naming them for different, the, the characters yeah. for different things. That was kind of cool. Yeah. But so Ada Lace Adventures. Yes. It's a book series. How? So you've done so many awesome things and now you're a children's book author. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was a new adventure for me, but it was something like with all of the other things I want to do, I wanted to create this type of representation that I wish that I had when I was a kid, Yeah. which is a book about science and adventure and technology that featured a little girl as the main character. That's so cool. And then yeah. you don't know what we can do with that IP. We can yeah, do stuff with that IP. I know. In my contract, I have the amusement park rights. <laughs> so yes. you never you know. You thought it out. I, I never like know. Fleck of dust, but there's amusement parks on that. <laughs> and there's 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 merchandise deals <laughs> yes. on that fleck of dust. Yep. 
Okay, so that was your first book series? Yes. You have a new book coming yep. out. Yeah. Please tell me about it. Yeah. So it's Reach for the Stars. It's my first picture book. I wrote it right after my daughter was born in this sea of postpartum emotions where I was trying to get all of the things that were happening in my head down on paper, where mm -hmm. I was trying to imagine all the things she would reach for throughout her life, figuratively and literally, and all the things that I wanted to teach her about science and space and the universe and also about life. And so the book follows a child at different stages of their life from infancy to leaving home for college and all of the things that I hope that she'll reach for and the things that I'll, I will hopefully teach her at each stage. So what you're saying is I'm going to cry Oh, a lot. I cannot get through it without bawling. And I have oh, read it I a thousand times. I saw your video. You did, it uh, on, you did an audiobook yes. version of it and you were crying. Oh, it's so I sweet. couldn't get through it. I'm it, crying for you. It was so hard. And if anybody out there is thinking of writing a book about their own infant daughter growing up and leaving home for college, I don't recommend it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zero, really awful. Mess. Zero stars. Yeah. Zero that was, for me, before we Not had a great ours, experience. I listened to Sturgill Simpson's album, and it was all about his son from the time he wrote it when he was born oh, all the way through, wow. you know, growing up and potentially doing drugs and like, all, but like in a way where I was like, oh God, I just lived a lifetime. You know, yes. like I can't even think about my daughter tomorrow, how much she'll grow up. It kills me. I know. Um, it's every hard. day is different. It's really hard. It's hard to be a parent right now. Mm -hmm. I think we should acknowledge that. That's almost like the elephant in the room when two, two sets of parents are talking and it's it's not easy. There's and a lot to, to navigate. And to today. be a to yeah. be a person of science, that's got to be also very trying. I, I, was the the experience of writing this particular book cathartic? Because it was oh, during 100%. it was during COVID and it was during and, the pandemic. It was when we were in lockdown. I yeah. remember literally just being in my bed, cry typing the words while my daughter was sleeping next to me. Oh, and so that's it's beautiful. A but it's really sweet. wonderful moment. And the yeah. artist Honey Jang actually illustrated my family in the book. And so it's such a wonderful gift to one day be able to give it to my daughter. It's yeah. so personal. It's so personal. And daughters, really, because yes, it was intended for her, but then I'm sure. Yes. And the special thing about it is that it was really important to me because, again, bring my West Virginianess into it. I grew up with a lot of families that were, the kids were raised by grandparents. And that's one thing that's very common in West Virginia because we have a lot of issues going on with the drug epidemic there. Hmm. And so I, it was really important to me that I make the book with the words, at least, universal to any caretaker, adult, child relationship. And mm. so the words that you read, there's no gender in the kid. There's no mother, father figure. It's it's just adult and child talking to each other, yeah. which is was something that I was really proud of. It's, yeah, it's present and future, which mm. which seems to be a through line with your work. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so that's that's really beautiful. And so are you excited about the baby coming? Oh my goodness, yes. I We have a little boy uh -huh. on the way now. Named, is there a name? Lincoln. Oh, I oh. love Lincoln that is name. the name. Nice. Yep. Uh, so we are very, very excited, but I don't think that we are ready for the impending chaos. <laughs> right. So we have two kids. Two is tough. No. Okay. Oh, don't well, tell uh, me. Yeah. No, it's okay. We You'll won't. Be we won't. We, <laughs> You'll we be won't. Fine. Yeah. We won't ruin that. Point. Okay. You yeah. have it. It's you beautiful. Can, it's wonderful. You, we'll figure excited. it out. <laughs> it's so um, fucking hard. No. Sorry. No, no, you gotta leave that one out. Um, <laughs> I had one question. Okay. We are, were your parents? How were they supportive of of oh, these yeah. endeavors? Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, okay. that was the most wonderful thing because they didn't 
have any experience with science or engineering. Right. And they just loved me and supported me and did a lot of work to understand the stuff that I loved. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been able to practice my communication skills when it comes to science and engineering, because I always talk to my parents about what I loved. And to do that, I had to explain it in a way with somebody, for somebody who didn't have a college degree, who didn't study science or engineering to be able to understand it. She was concise. It's really interesting that educators have similar ways of becoming so effective. Mm. But the one thing, especially that it seems like educators need to have in this day and age is that charisma, which you Mm. have so much. (laughs) Thank you for bringing us to the table today. Um, What's and, next? Yeah. Yeah. What, well, besides the book. Book. Baby. And going to space probably at some and point. Hopefully going to space one day. <laughs> I have uh, an idea of doing a live science tour around the country That's where I cool. actually do science in person with kids, which That's would great. be really, really fun. More books and I think a YouTube channel, just oh. more social media stuff. I it, it is so effective. Meet people where they're at. People want to be on social media. Sure. I want to be on social media. Yeah. Yes. We, we know a little about the YouTubes. Oh my gosh, it's Emily, a we, will, you, we are already subscribed, okay? <laughs> we are watching it, we are supporting you, we are rooting for you and all that you do. And where can and everybody find you? At, at The Space Gal, across all social media platforms and at www.thespacegal.com. Boom. Yay. We did it. We did it. Thank you. Yay. Thanks for having this me. This was great. Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham, and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. And join me on my Patreon for exclusive content. 